welcome to Educators Not Robots, a podcast that humanizes the educational experience. Today, we are introducing you to Mr. Stefan Torres Esquer, also known as Mr. Stefan. Mr. Stefan is a special education specialist, public speaker, content creator, curriculum developer, and founder of the community group, The Direction Ability Advocates. His tagline is taking the dis out of disability, and he is determined to change the way that people perceive different. Mr. Stefan attended San Joaquin Delta College before transferring to San Francisco State University, where he eventually earned his Master of Arts in Special Education and a Deaf-Blind Specialization Certificate. He won Bay Area Educator of the Year for 2018-2019 and has worked as a Special Education Consultant for Stanford University and the California World Languages Project. Most impressively, Mr. Stefan has only been teaching for six years. He started his teaching career in San Francisco at the Thomas Edison Charter Academy and eventually transitioned to Lowell High School. Upon coming back to Stockton, he spent one year at Edison High School, and now he is currently teaching daily living and vocational skills in the young adult program for students between the ages of 18 to 22 with moderate to severe disabilities. He just launched his brand new project, the Ability Academy Click and Go Distance Learning Program. This is an interactive online program for special education students and teachers. It is free and super easy to use. And the best part is that all you need to do is literally click and go. If you're interested in following Mr. Stefan as he continues his journey, you can find him on social media, on Instagram at Mr. Stefan Online or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Mr. Stefan Online. You can also visit his website at www.mrstephanonline.com. Here we are, Mr. Stefan. How are you today? Hi. <laughs> I'm good. I'm so excited. This is such such a cool project. I'm so I'm, so I'm super inspired by you. Um, Thank you. I think this is really, really, really cool. And, and, you know, we live in an area where innovative projects and creativity, it just doesn't happen enough. So uh, I very much admire what you're doing, and I'm so excited. And I've been admiring you from afar. So, um for people listening, we're actually cousins and we yes. don't get to interact very often. And you've been working in San Francisco up until this last year. So I know I've seen you online with um, your students in San Francisco, all of the work you've been doing, um, the advocacy. I think you even took them out to like some civic like activities. Like they Oh yeah, so we do it all. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, so, so that's probably one of my one of my favorite um, projects is the the we're called the Direction Ability Advocates, um, and so that's that's definitely something that that is so much fun for me because it involves a lot of the work that I do is is me by myself. I'm you know I go speak places or whatever, but I love working with the Ability Advocates um, because it's all um, teens and young adults with uh, disabilities who are standing up and advocating for change and and um, you know, just showing off what what they're capable of, and so yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not one for you know anything that's boring, and so yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We were we did summer tours. We were at all the major festivals in San Francisco on the main stage. I mean, it was it was crazy. It was so much fun, and so I'm hoping that I can do similar stuff here in Stockton now that I'm back. We need it here in Stockton, like you said. I think um, not to not to be like 
salty about it, but I feel like big cities like San Francisco, they, they get a lot of people like you working and doing that kind of work. But out here in Stockton and San Joaquin County, we don't get a lot of people trying to do stuff like that. So it's really cool that you came back to the Valley to bring that work here, especially for our, our special needs students out here. They really need it. I think the most probably um, more so. Yeah, and no, I'm so excited. And it's so funny because I was just thinking about it before uh, we logged on is, um, you know, like she said, we are cousins and I and you were saying you have been admiring me from afar. And it, it's so funny. I remember being a kid and I would watch you like walking to the bus or something. And I used to just always think that you were the coolest person in the what? world. <laughs> and I also was like just so shy and weird that I just didn't even... It was it, so I would just get quiet whenever you were around, but I thought you were so cool. I didn't even know that. I, <laughs> I still like, think you're so cool. I felt like we were both super shy because I was super shy too. And like, and so yeah. I just kind of, when I was thinking about it leading up to this week, I was like, we were just both super shy, quiet kids. Like, yeah. there was no way we were going to talk to each other if someone didn't start the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But your, your family, like your mom and your aunts and uncles and your grandma and your grandpa, they've always were like so warm with me. Because, you know, my, I was married into the family with my when my dad married um, my stepmom. So they were just super welcoming. Like as soon as my parents were married, they're like, prima, like, you know, you're you're one of yeah, us now. Yeah. So like that was always super cool. I just I think your whole family, the Torreses are just always so cool to me, too. And, oh, um, thank you. Yeah, you know, I never, ever, ever thought of you as anything but a cousin. Like, we, oh, you know, nice. they never no one ever talked about it that way. It was always just like, that's your cousin, yeah. um, you know? And so, I mean, it wasn't until I was older when I really was like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, she, she was married in, but I just, you just always been our cousin. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> you guys are really cute. <laughs> are you feeling really left out? <laughs> uh, I kind of want to talk about me now. I'm just <laughs> But not really. I actually really do want to talk about you because uh, I'm going to be honest. I only knew of you as a teacher. I had no idea that your thing was working with uh, students with disabilities. I had no idea that you were so involved in that movement. And uh, so I've been doing research. I have not been stalking you. I've been researching you <laughs> very thoroughly. <laughs> For several hours a day. <laughs> okay, you can talk me. <laughs> me. And I was watching every YouTube video I could find, and I was just amazed at uh, just all the things you've been doing and and creating, and really trying to get the word out. Um, had no idea. I mean, it was very educational. The stuff that you were putting out there. Uh, yeah, I just think it's a uh, it's important that you you know we help you with that um, today. Like if you have some of. Uh, stuff you're working on currently that you kind of want to spread the word about, or if there's anything that's, uh, you know, uh, currently on your mind, do like recent things going on in that, in that arena that you want to talk about, you know, please use the time to, uh, to engage in this conversation and we'll Promote yeah, it. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll just yeah, uh, yeah. let's explore that. Let's let's look into that a little I bit. I think like so the whole our whole thing with the podcast is, you know, over the summer with everything that happened, it really drilled home to me about how underappreciated educators are. Um, and we see it, especially with COVID. I, I feel like, you know, we, we we've been complaining about this for years, but we're treated like glorified babysitters. And that's not what we do. Yeah. You know, we're not 
there to entertain the kids, although entertaining them helps them pay attention. <laughs> um, yeah. so, um, but that's not what our, our number one priority. And I think that um, it just what it drives for me and what we talk about me and, and my husband is that um, people just don't know what it what educators do and why we do it. And like that we're not we're your neighbors. Like we're the people like, you know, when we go home, like your kids living at your house are our neighbors too. And, you know, um, and I think especially for, for special education, that's such an, an unknown, um, area of education. Even for me as a general education teacher, I rely so heavily on our SPED department to help me when I have a SPED student or a 504 in my class. I'm like, what do I do? I don't know. It's not working. I tried, I tried. And then they're always the ones who are like, did you try this? Did you try that? Like, you know, um, so I, I think that you're going to have a lot to share that people need to know this, like teach other teachers like me who are general ed and then just other members of the community that, that this is part of our job too, is we get kids that have some really difficult problems that they were either born with or that were somehow imposed on them in life. And teaching them is very different than what we consider the average kid. So why don't you tell us more about your involvement with that? Like, how did it all get started? Yeah, like, what made you go into SPED? SPED is so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's probably the number one question that I get. I think any special educator, because it is a rough um, field to be in. And, and I think, you know, most people just would never do it. And so everybody's like, why, you know, what made you choose special education? Um, you know, and I, I don't, I think some people have like really personal stories, like a brother with autism or, you know, a cousin with Down syndrome. And, and I don't really have that, you know, um, but ever since I was young, I always knew that I wanted to help people. Um, and I didn't want to help just anybody, you know, I wanted to help the people who were the, you know, the most underserved and underrepresented. Um, I'm down for the underdog for sure. 100%. So, um, and I think, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's actually a really good. Um, uh, I have a question there because yeah. when you were when you were growing up, was it the case for you that special education was uh, segregated basically from the main population of your school? Because I know oh, that yeah. was the case for me. So I don't really even see those classrooms, yeah. uh, and I didn't really, you know, I wouldn't have much of an awareness of them at all. Uh, did you yeah. did you have an awareness of that back even when you were younger? No, you know I remember um, when I was in the eighth grade for that that one year um, we had one student who was uh, sort of being included in our in our program and that mm -hmm. was the first time I ever really saw any type of inclusion or mainstreaming. Mm -hmm. um, but you know there was I I don't feel like there was a lot done to in really truly include him. So mm -hmm. I mean I knew he was there. Uh, but he had an aide who was like sitting right by him the whole time and they kind of just interacted with each other. And then when I got to high school, um, I, I, I remember him because I would see him at high school. He went to the same high school as I did, but there was, you know, it, it was very segregated. So I would see him around, but we were no longer interacting. But, you know, for whatever reason, I always, you know, just I always knew he was there. I always noticed him sort of being there. But um you know, it, it was just segregated again, and and it still is in a lot of different places. You know, it's not it, it's not a very inclusive world even today. Uh, even some of the jobs that I've had, and even some of the places that I've been recently, are you know, it's very far from where it needs to be, and and students are still very much separate and very much 
unwanted um, mm. in 2020. So <laughs> it's wow. crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, I, I remember one time I was at an inclusivity institute last summer and we were talking about the different oppressed groups. And um, we talked about how disability, the disability group as an oppressed group is the invisible group. Like it's the one mm -hmm. that like people, it's the, we have more people with disabilities than any other minority group. And it's yeah. something people don't think about at all. And, and we're always left out, yeah. Yeah, and then with schools yeah. doing this, where there's still this separation, um, they get put in their own program, their own class, you're just maintaining that invisibility. And that's, that's, that's causing the problems that we have. They're not being accepted because they're not being allowed to enter into the community starting in childhood. And like, to yeah. really think about that, that's really terrible. We're excluding them from the moment they start school. I mean, especially in cases yeah. where it's very obvious that it's not necessary to put to leave them out of the class to to be in exactly to be excluding them. Uh, and one of the things that I learned from one of your YouTube videos was was that thirteen or fourteen different types of disabilities. Yeah, yeah. As uh, categorized by the uh, California Department of Education or something. Uh, yeah. So the IDEA, which is the uh, the basically it's the laws that that um, protect people with disabilities in America and and uh, yeah so you can you can qualify if you have any of those 13 disabilities yeah. Um, but yeah I definitely think what you're saying is so accurate is is you know even when we start having these conversations about diversity on different campuses or different districts and we're talking about prejudice and we're talking about oppression people with disabilities are so often left out of those yeah. conversations and and um you know and i do appreciate and i do honor the fact that so many other groups also need support and they need change and they need um you know for things to be different and you know we're in the midst of all the black lives matter stuff and all of that all of that is important right. um but you know we are the people with disabilities are the group that really it's still acceptable to treat them almost in a 1960s kind of way still today in 2020 yeah. you know so so it is important for you know and i and i do a lot of advocacy and, I, and i've had a couple of run-ins just through the years where people feel like i'm what i'm trying to say is that um you know no one else needs to be complaining because people with disabilities have it you know the worst and that's that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is we just want to be part of the conversation so, so they're you know? all lives mattering oh. you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that's not that's not even a valid argument yeah with that yeah. idea stuff i had not i had no clue about that i knew about like the no child left behind and i was familiar kind of sort of how that has influenced what's going on in classrooms as far as like students being more um just having more inclusive classrooms but um yeah that it really opened my eyes to like the level of uh, responsibility that that classrooms and schools are are starting to have for providing inclusive education and and really meeting the needs of students and i was like this stuff is i mean it's you're you're literally at the cusp of this movement like this stuff is just kicking off and you're right for the most part people aren't aware people don't know what's going on and and I think what you're doing is like you're going to be one of those voices that that gets people in the you know that enlightens the future. <laughs> you're really doing that oh, right thank now. You. I, I hope so. <laughs> it is, man. I'm telling you, 
TikTok. You're on YouTube. Well, that's, one of, yeah, yeah. that's one of the reasons why I do things the way that I do. You know, I I I had a really rough time in college because my professors, um, you know, just didn't. They weren't able to see sort of my vision or why I. I act the way that I do or dress the way that I do or, or do business the way that I do. Um, you know, and, and so it was just constantly a, a struggle to push past that and to just follow my vision and follow what I was, what I was seeing in my mind, you know? Um, but I, you know, I really do work hard to, um, you know, to, to, to say what I need to say and to send that message in a new kind of way, because I think for so many years, it's been so hidden or so um, just hard to find. And and also it's presented in, in a way that, you know, and I'm not hating on anybody, we, we need every kind of advocate that there is. And, and we need the people to stand at podiums and we need the people to, you know, um, fight at the courthouse and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But what, what I saw that was lacking was, um, you know, sort of, an entertaining take on all of that and something that the general public people who otherwise just would never even think about disability, you know, that's the population that we really need to be, uh, you know, looking at because I mean, and of course we need all, like I said, we need all the different kinds of advocacy, but we also need to have somebody um, who is going to bring pop culture into the mix because Mm -hmm whether we like it or not, we live in a society that's built on Hollywood and pop culture. And if we want a seat at the main table, we have to play the game, you know, and, and I think there are some, there are, there are lots of people doing similar work, but, you know, I think what makes me different and what, when, what, you know, makes the ability advocates, um, that group a little bit different is, like I said, we, I mean, we go, we're not going to, I mean, I, I also go to special education conferences and educational right. um, stuff and all of that. But on, to be honest with you, that stuff is kind of secondary to me. I'm honored to be working with Stanford. I'm honored to be doing all this other stuff. But, you know, I think the, the real mission for me is to reach the people who are just standing out on the street yeah. you know at a at a festival you know because they those are the people who if they can't buy into what we're proposing then it doesn't matter what the you know what the educators think it doesn't matter what the scholars think you know we need the everyday person to not only be aware but also be excited about it so um that's just kind of why i just try to make it like fun and engaging and and um you know spread that that message of really it's just love you know it's just like we need to love all people we need to celebrate diversity beyond just the color of your skin all diversity all difference um and so Anyway, that was a that was a very long rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> I see you guys. I see you getting fired up. I like that. I like that. But I think you break. I mean, you bring up a good point because there's a couple things I'm thinking of while you're talking. Is one, you're right. Like the generation now, like we have our millennial generations in charge now, or trying to be, and then we've got mm-hmm. you know Gen Zs coming in, and there's um, you don't get their attention unless you're entertaining them. And so you got to do, like you said, you got to play the game. But then also I think about two of the, I could hear naysayers saying like, you know, you're, you're somehow 
what's the word I'm looking for, like cheapening the movement, but it's like disabled mm -hmm. people get to be entertaining when they want to be like, they get to have yeah. fun too. And, and I don't see, like, I could see people kind of saying that, like, you know, we have to be serious about this and it's like, but yeah. why? Like they're people, everybody's yeah. people. And, and some people want to be influencers. And if they happen to be disabled and, and also want to be advocates, like who's to, mm -hmm. who gets to determine how people get to advocate for themselves. And I think that's, there's like so many layers there that you're addressing when you take it to, you know, a pop culture perspective with um, with your work. So I think it's, you know, I think it's great. I, I've definitely, you know, watched a lot of the stuff you put out. Like I said, one of the things that I really enjoyed was, you know, the music that you're, you were making with your, with your students. Yeah. And, so and why, don't you, awesome. why don't you tell us a little bit, like explain for, uh, everybody i guess who might you yeah. know fall onto this uh, uh this conversation why don't you explain a little bit about what you were doing in that project and how that how that helped uh your your um i guess your efforts yeah so i yeah so i mean again i just i do a lot of different kinds of creative stuff and and it all started in the classroom obviously it all started with me um you know, being interested in the field of special education and, and, you know, I was on the road to becoming a teacher when I started to have all these crazy ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, you know, initially it, my ideas were just to go into a classroom and do this kind of work. Uh, but, you know, just like Rosalie was saying, that's exactly the kind of pushback I've gotten all my, all of my career is people don't understand why do I care about what I wear? Why do I, you know, why don't I dress like a teacher? Why do I cheapen the movement by, by, you know, not acting like a scholar? And, and, um, so it, I have had to sort of develop a thick skin because it's hard. It's hard when you believe in something and you come in with you're excited about your ideas and people are like, mm, no, that's not how we do it. Or, you know, you, you're, cheapening the movement or you're um uh, you know i think the other thing that people sometimes think is that i'm i'm somehow um like trying to get attention for myself off of the backs of people with disabilities or you know it, like i'm trying to be a star or something and it's, it's just not about that if you know if people can't understand it i just sort of let that part go because yeah. it's not important to me you know i don't need everybody to understand but um, but it is every move that I make is based on strategy and every move that I make is based on, you know, well thought out um, planning. And I, and I really put a lot of thought and energy into everything that I do. Um, and so it, it ended up I ended up feeling like in the classroom, I wasn't. You know, I didn't have that freedom, so I was just like, well, then I'll just go do it myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it became, you know, sort of a public brand. And then I started to get more opportunities and you know different people were asking me to do different things um and that's when everything started to really be fun for me because yeah. you know i even though within the world of educators and scholars i wasn't really being respected and i wasn't really you know they weren't able to see where i was going in the real world you know where it actually matters <laughs> just kidding um <laughs> but not really <laughs> but in the real world you know i was really getting a lot of the um people wanted it people wanted me to bring what i was bringing to the table you know um so with the group the the ability advocates that's one thing that really grew once i started to think more publicly because mm -hmm. 
I just thought, okay, you don't want us at your, um, you know, talent show. Okay, well, guess what? We'll go to Carnival Festival and we'll be on the main stage. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and it was good. that sort of how it, it all started to get see, going. And and the more I did it, the more it was just like, well, I could do more then. Well, that was easier than I thought or yeah. whatever. Um, and so the music video was, was it started out with just a song we were doing, you know, we were writing our own song and then they were so excited that we did a music video and, yeah. and the that's what song. I was going to ask. Did they, they got to do like the lyrics and like they, they worked with you on that? Well, we collaborated. Yeah. Yeah. I we collaborated. So we, um, we had a few different meetings where we sat at uh, a table because, you know, I think that an, another thing, uh, you know, going back to cheapening the movement, um, I do think there are a lot of other places where people with disabilities are able to, um, you know, maybe speak on a microphone or go up to a podium and, and say something. But a lot of times it's, it's at a special education event or it's at a, you know what I mean? Which is not a bad thing. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. But, you know, I think a lot of times we find ourselves preaching to the choir and right. it's like, those people already know, you know, they already are on board. And so, um, and also, you know, it, it's in the context of a more like professional kind of thing, which is great. It's amazing. Um, or even a political thing, which is great and amazing. But people with disabilities, it, just like anybody else, some, you know, some people want to be on stage. Some people want to be a star. Some people want to be on Instagram and take selfies. And, and we're not giving them access to that, you know. And so really what, what I'm doing is, and I'll tell them like, okay, tomorrow we're performing here or tomorrow we're speaking here. Um, I want you to wear the coolest outfit that you have. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, like come with your swag on, like I, you know, yeah. because that's, that's sort of how we do businesses. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and that's what I tell them too, is you guys are the stars of this show. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter if we're speaking or singing or whatever. We, our job is to inspire people by making them feel like you are the coolest people in the room. Mm -hmm. um, and I really do feel like we do that. I think we accomplish that. And I think people are shocked at, um, you know, they would just never think that it would be possible. You know, they, they don't see that ability um, at, at first glance. Yeah. And so anyway, they were excited about the music. So we had our little meetings and I kind of got their input. We put the song together, then we filmed the music video, um, and, so and we the, went on a little tour. So, how did the beat making go? Did they get to participate in that too, or did you have someone else do the beat? Well, so I um, I am also a, a musician and a performer, and so I grew up. Um, and again, you know, I think that helped me a lot in in sort of creating my business strategy and sort of um, doing things the way that I do. But I created a, um, a few different versions mm. and um, they hated most of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so I remember we had a debt. I had set up a deadline because I really wanted to go on tour with the song yeah. and our tour dates were already scheduled. So I was just, I remember I stayed up so late one night cause I had a meeting the next day with the ability advocates and um, I stayed up late putting together this idea. And I just, in my head, I was like, they, are going to like it or they're not, but it doesn't matter. We're going with this beat either way because I don't have time to make another one. Yeah. Um, and they, thank God they loved it. So, <laughs> so it ended up just working out, but I was like, this is what it is, whether you like it or not. <laughs> but I really, uh, yeah. I love that. Because so, I think that's what probably people need to understand is they're getting a lot of say in this. Like they're not, mm -hmm. they're not being toted around. Like they're getting to write their lyrics. They get to decide 
the beats. They get to decide how they dress. Um, and the yeah. lyrics, like he was playing the music the other day. We were getting ready in the morning, and I was like, "That's that was the first thing I thought." I was like, "Did they? They had to have written these. Like this is like yeah. authentic, you know, feelings that they have." And you definitely I, got their personality out yeah. of it. And even in the video, yeah. I was like, "Man, these kids are fun." And I, it's what's wild to me is like you literally are doing this in addition to your regular teaching stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. That's just crazy. Like, this is the stuff that blows my mind is how much. <laughs> and this is what people, this is the point of this thing I think that we're doing is we're like, we got to spotlight this. We got to make sure people understand, like, this is the type of passion that's out there. Yeah. Cause teaching alone, like, just doing what you're required to do is so much work. Like, we're having to have we're doing multiple things at once when we're in the classroom and then to to go beyond that it really it takes a lot and i think there was something you were talking about earlier too about the pushback you got which made me think about just generally like going into an english classroom because i teach english and being like you know we need to do things a little different like and then getting pushback from veteran teachers that are just they just don't want to change and that's really we're really that's not the way we do that that's not how we do things <laughs> we're going to do this thing we've been doing for 30 years and this is the way we've yeah, yeah. you know and it's and it just like it, it can be really frustrating and then i wonder too because i'm because i feel like i really feel you on that like getting pushback from people who are like this is how we've always done it how dare you try to shake things up but something I've also noticed is I have people who come to me being in my fifth year and, and they're like, I remember when I was young, like you and enthusiastic, you'll get over it. Like, do you ever have people say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, of course. I hate you. And they, I'm like, first of all, you don't know me. Like I could be, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and second of all, like how sad for you. Like I wouldn't admit that. Yeah. Like, why, why are you still here? Yeah, bro? Exactly. <laughs> get out of here, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, no, that, I, I for sure get that a lot. <laughs> so, Mr. Stephan, full disclosure, we lost half of our, our interview, so we're starting again. But really <laughs> important question for you. What is your what was your favorite teaching moment in the six years you've been a teacher? Yeah, so uh, so the first thing that pops into my head is is definitely um, something that that actually does not even have to do with my students. Uh, but ever since I, I first started teaching, I, it's been really important for me to make sure that, uh, you know, because in special education, you work with the staff, you have, you have um, assistants who work under you. And one of the uh, favorite activities for special education teachers is to uh, talk smack on their assistants. Um, and, and that's always really bothered me. And, 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 you know, I understand to a degree because you know, or the the assists or the paraprofessionals, whatever uh, whatever you call them, they are. You know, they, they don't have to go to school. They don't um, come in with a ton of training, and so you know, it, it it can be rough sometimes. But regardless, those those are the people who are there to support you. That's your team. You know, that's your family. And so it, it, uh, it's always been really important for me to create a community where it's not only the students who are benefiting from the program, but it's also the staff in the room. And, and I want them to feel um, just respected and, and um, I want them to feel powerful. I want them to feel like they are my equals and, and like we're a family. And so probably one of my favorite, favorite moments was a few years back, um, it, there was, I guess there's a, a what was it? Uh, National Boss Day. That's what yeah, it is. That's what it National was. Boss Day. Yeah. <laughs> 
and you know, I didn't even I didn't even know that was a thing. And my staff came in with a card, and and you know, they all they each of them wrote a big long um, thing about how I'm the best boss ever, and and you know, they've never felt so respected, and and. You know, two of them were 65 plus, you know, they, they, they'd been in the game for a long, long time. And so for those people to say, never, ever have I ever felt so respected, wow. um, that was probably one of my proudest moments, um, not just as a teacher, just in general. I think, I think it's important when you are a leader, you know, leadership does come with a, a, a level of power and it comes with a level of privilege. And, um, you know, it comes with responsibility. Anytime you hold a position of power, you are responsible to, to use that in the way that um, is going to best serve the world. Um, and so, you know, I think just in general terms, inside or outside of the classroom, that's, that's always been very important to me. And so that was one instance where I really felt like it was just validating like I, I knew that i had accomplished that goal of really making them feel um like we were you know more than just co-workers and i and i wasn't just their boss i was you know i was somebody who they who they really respected and so that was that was a really great moment for me yeah and and then what was for me what i love about this is because like i had said the first time we interviewed was that, <laughs> was that um, you know the the saying is always that your only as your team is only as strong as its weakest link. But I know from my experience, a team's only as strong as its leader. And in this particular case, this is a team that works with students that works with students with disabilities. And so you're not just doing this for them, which is important. But and when you take care of your team, that team's going to turn around and take care of the students. And so this benefits them. And then it also models it for them. They're seeing the way you interact and they're understanding this is how we interact in the real world. This is how we interact with adults. And I just thought that's that's such an important thing that we need to understand as teachers as teacher leaders um especially like that's that's really important and i i really appreciated that story and i'm sure um those assistants paraprofessionals appreciated it and you gave a shout out yesterday was it patty patty was your yeah patty, patty fung yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was she's definitely i mean all of them every every single um, I, I mean i'm literally still friends with every person who's ever um, worked in my classroom and uh, you know so I love them all but I think uh, you guys had asked me is there one person who sort of is your go-to yeah. for just business support and and definitely Patty Fung and she was uh, an assistant in my classroom uh, but that that relationship ended ended up becoming you know I obviously just like all of the other people I work with a, a friendship but with her it's, it definitely became also you know, almost a business partnership because she just, for so many years, she would hear all the craziness that came out of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, she would really help me to figure out what my next moves were. And, and, and she also really learned how to, how to understand the way that I think, because, you know, I was saying before that I just have these visions and, and I see it in my mind and, and a lot of people don't understand how it's going to come out into the real world. And so, um, you know, Oftentimes she would she would be like mm, I don't know if that's gonna work or maybe you know maybe that's not the best idea and then I would do it and she'd be like oh okay now I understand and so you know I think now she never questions sometimes she'll be like mm, I still don't know but I I feel like you're gonna make it happen um, so 
you know, really having somebody like that on my team, not only as a friend, but, you know, as somebody, I really do call her often with, mm-hmm. with business stuff. And I'm like, should I post this or should I, you know, I'm thinking of starting this project. Um, is it, do you think it's worth my time and energy? And, and so she's really somebody who has become more than a friend. And, it, you know, it, it's, it's, um, she's very much a business um, partner for me at this point. Yeah. Well, shout out Patty Funk. Yeah, we need our teacher allies and to always support them too. And I think that was was interesting when you first mentioned this story, I didn't realize that there was this cultural practice of special ed teachers not being so caring to their paraprofessionals. I've I've only had experience with paras, um, well, when I had my collaborative teacher last year with me, we also had a para assigned to us, but we're actually kind of short on paras at our site. So she ended up having to go to another class that just had more of a need. Um, and she was great. And then the only other times I've worked with a para were was when I was a sub and I've subbed for special ed and they were, I needed them. I didn't, you know, the teacher yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. So I was like, what do you guys do in these situations? And they <laughs> always help. So it didn't even occur to me that that was like, I guess I've just been lucky that I worked with parents who had good relationships with their sped teachers, but that's for me as a general ed teacher, very enlightening to, to know that that's kind of a thing that happens um, in other areas. Yeah. And I mean, and it, and it definitely, I, I'm not hating on anybody. I understand how people could go in that direction. You know, like I said, a lot of times they do come with, with little to no training. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not, they, many of them didn't go to college. They're not special education, you know, they're not knowledgeable on special education. I, I get it. I get why it could be frustrating. But I think the the thing is, you know, there are amazing paras mm-hmm. and amazing, you know, assistants working in classrooms. And then there are um, other people who maybe aren't so amazing mm-hmm. right off the bat, you know. But um, I think this can be true for special education teachers or general education teachers um, and really for anybody who has any type of position of leadership the thing is it doesn't matter you know it doesn't matter if they're great or if they're average or if they're below average what matters is that you have the power to make or break their day a lot of times Mm -hmm. you have the power to to make them feel powerful and empowered and if you know if you don't use that power to do that in my humble opinion you you aren't using your power to the full to its full potential you know and 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 that's what the that's what it is it's um you know we yeah there are tons of paraprofessionals who have amazing um work ethic and and so many skills and it's easy to love them you know it's easy to respect them and it's easy to include them and but it's the it's all of the people who are coming from just various backgrounds and from all different kinds of neighborhoods um looking for work and they happen upon this job and maybe they're not the best suited but you have the power to empower them to become better and you have the power to make like i said make or break their day and that's a huge yeah. that's a huge responsibility you know Absolutely. regardless if it's a paraprofessional or the custodian or whoever mm-hmm. um you know we do even general education teachers hold a lot of power in that regard you know you you have a custodian who comes in your classroom every single day and you have the choice to, uh, you know, to act superior or to, you know, to really um, include that person in your in your day and, and make mm-hmm. them feel like they're a part of your team because they are. You know, who's going to clean your classroom? Who's going to, um, you know, 
monitor the hallways. All of those people are very important. Um, and it just doesn't matter the position. I think teachers do hold a lot more responsibility than, than, um, than what we sort of think about on, on a daily basis. I think that the general idea is the teachers in charge of the classroom and the students are the people who are impacted by their work. But it, that's not, that's not the, the end of it. You know, we, we also work very closely with a range of people, um, all the way from administrators to, um, you know, assistants to custodians to secretaries. I mean, it's everybody. Right. And, and we talk to all of them and we interact with all of them and we receive support from all of them. So, right. um, you know, just using that leadership and that, that power that comes with it for good, I think is such a big message, especially for new teachers, because I, I, it's easy to walk in with a big head and to feel like, yeah. oh, I'm a boss now because I'm a teacher, right? And, and it's like, mm, you're not that cool if that's the way you're yeah. thinking. A lot of props, man, and a lot of respect, much respect to, you know, the fact that you had that wisdom, I guess, that you were able to uh, adopt that perspective and, and you know, develop that philosophy. It speaks really to your skills and abilities as a leader, um, you know, especially with with the way you handled uh, those those uh, colleagues of yours that had so many more years in the game, as you put it, you know, it's like, I mean, you had the legitimate authority as their boss, but you were also able to recognize when to take their lead, it sounds like, when to acknowledge their experience and let them sort of dictate uh, sort of next steps when whenever, you know, you felt like you could rely on them uh, for or whatever is going on in the classroom. So um, I know yeah, I have experience with some stuff like that as well. And, and it's, it's really wild when you see those um, people who are in that position and refuse to accept input mm -hmm. from other people. And it's, it really is a detriment to everybody when, when people can't come in with humility and respect like you're describing. So um, I think it's amazing. I'm, I'm really curious about like sort of what types of, experiences you had prior to I guess getting into the classroom that helped prepare you for that yeah where do you feel like your leadership origins are well you get that <laughs> yeah. well, you get that, dude. well you know I, I I have to credit my grandpa he, he uh, definitely mm -hmm. um just I remember because he was a teacher and and oh, and yeah. you know when I was growing up from when I was young young um you know I think when I was really young you know, maybe elementary, middle, high school, uh, there was a lot of, there was always just chaos in my house, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And um, I used to feel, I used to think that my grandpa would sort of take me around everywhere because he wanted my help, because that's what I would do. I would follow him around <laughs> and I would go to his job and I would grade papers and, you know, do all this crazy stuff. Um, but now looking back, I, I, you know, it's crazy to realize that he was saving me from what was going on, wow. you know, in my home. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so, you know, I'm just super grateful. But, you know, one of the things that I really, it's, it's crazy that I always remember, and I always remember a very specific moment. Mm -hmm. um, we were walking, he was, he was teaching at Delta College, and I was going with him, you know, pretty much every day. And, and so he kind of would talk me through his day, mm -hmm. just like sort of like, almost like a think out loud kind of yeah. thing. He would just, you know, sort of tell me why he did certain things and why he, he thought certain ways. And I always remember we were walking, um, 
you know, just from class to class or something. And I remember him just that day, for whatever reason, every single freaking person, he knew them and they were stopping <laughs> him. And, and, uh, yeah. um, and I mean, that happened, it happened often, but it was just like that day was insane. I mean, oh. it, every, and it was every, for every, I mean, it was custodians and it was, um, you know, teachers and it was administrators of a bunch of students. I mean, it, it was just a whole range of people. Awesome. And I always remember that day he told me, um, you know, you, you need to always, always be humble because a lot of these teachers and a lot of these higher ups come out here and they treat everybody like they're nothing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and he's, and he told me, you see all these people who are my friends, it's the janitors, it's the students, it's the, you know, secretaries. I'm friends with everybody because I respect everybody. Mm. And because I respect them, they also respect me. Um, and, I, you know, he always kind of said things like that. And he said it a little less. He, he's always much more. I feel like when he says it, it sounds nicer. When I say it, it sounds like I'm trying to, like, tell you what to do or something. <laughs> but uh, um, but I, I always remember that day. And, and um, you know, and, and my grandma always also said things like that. But it was just it was a little bit different because I was just sort of witnessing, yeah. you know, that day was just it was really crazy. And, and yeah. ever since I have. I mean, that's really where I think it started, mm -hmm. where I just sure. was determined. I was like, I don't care what. I am going to make every single person feel so important when they talk to me. Right. Sure. Um, you know, and, and so that's I think that's where that started. I, I feel like, again, that was a very long and unorganized answer. But no, that's a story. <laughs> that was a beautiful story. And we have to shout out the man, the legend, Mike Torres, your grandfather, <laughs> that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely... Um, a very kind-hearted person and yeah he's he's nice he doesn't say things that sound mean ever so I know, yeah yeah <laughs> so well, yeah. i think I, again you know that that's where i get so much it's, i mean my grandma and my grandpa yeah um but when it comes to the public stuff i mean it's it, so much of that comes from my grandpa mm -hmm. because you know I, I i think you know we were saying before that that a lot of the criticism that I get or that or that I hear about myself is uh you know that I'm that I because I do entertainment mm -hmm. it's like not as legitimate or because I dress to entertain and I mm -hmm. speak to entertain and I I perform you know to entertain I, it's it's interesting how people um perceive that as I want attention and I'm trying to be a star and I think I'm this and I think I'm that um, but I always, it's always been interesting to me to watch my grandpa because, uh, you know, on one hand, he is, he has that star um, power, I guess. Like he, just, he, he does walk in and perform and he, and he does look for the attention when it's time, you know, yeah. but he also really, really always, it, it was always important for him to, um, you know, sort of talk to me about how there is a time and a place for that and then you also need to turn around and be humble and you also need to realize that that is a job and that's a strategy and that's not who you need to be every day of your life and and so you know I, it, it is in, it, it's very interesting to to balance that and it's very um tricky sometimes uh and and so even i think especially for me because i'm i'm bringing entertainment to a world where it normally isn't there you know 
And so I'm, I'm always thinking about, okay, is this, you know, because I, a lot of times I'll post like pictures of myself because that's what gets attention. And then I'll put, you know, my message and I'll share, you know, my, my ideas or whatever. And, 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 um, so it, it it's almost like an influencer approach to, yeah. well, you are talking You're about a legitimate influencer and it's not in it. I think people want to put a negative connotation on that, but the, the reality is that's the future. And it, I think that you, I think if if you try to deny that you're just in denial, right? Because the more yeah. you see teachers utilizing social media, the more you see teachers being effective at reaching their students. Mm-hmm. So I think it's yeah. it's just craziness when when people are like, oh well, wh- how could you use that? It's, you're gonna use any tool you can to be effective at your yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, I really yeah, appreciate I, what yeah. you've done. I, if I've been like, you know, like I said, I I, I really <laughs> enjoyed looking at all your stuff online. And what oh, I what I noticed you. about it is this the quality of work that you're doing and it's it's legit like production quality. It's 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 thoughtful. Oh, thank you know? you. And, and I think that's really it, it it would not surprise me if what you're doing is is really going to be more seen as the norm uh, moving forward. It's just it's just a matter of time. I mean, I I can I can uh predict I guess, especially now in during pandemic, where people yeah. are doing online, I mean, everyone is doing online teaching. If you struggle at all with with using technology and using media, social media, and using uh, you know video mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. audio, yeah, yeah. like you're gonna be behind the curve. So mm-hmm. those people yeah. who aren't trying to do the things you're doing are really just putting themselves at a disadvantage. And putting their students at a disadvantage, so I don't, I don't take any heed to what the haters are saying, dude. Like you should forget those people; they don't know what they're talking about. And there is, like, we know that there's yeah. a ton of teacher influencers out there, like spreading their message. And I mean, they're they're not just making a name for themselves; they're sharing important resources, and they're you know, yeah, fighting for their causes. And and there's some that are kind of you know tacky, but majority of the time, I follow a lot of teacher influencers on on Twitter and and Instagram, and I get a lot of good ideas from them. There's a um the the assignment I did on the first day of school this year, I got from an influencer on Twitter, and it's an amazing. It's the it, apparently it's a well known thing. I didn't know. I heard about it on Twitter, hmm. but it's like a letter of ten things I wish you knew. You write this letter to yeah, your yeah, students. Yeah. And then you have them write one in return to you. And the I've kids been, love it. They love it. I've been reading <laughs> oh, them nice. all weekend. I love it. Like she reads I, them to me because they're so good. I read them to him because they're just so <laughs> sweet. Some of them are yeah, hilarious because yeah. they, you know, you find out who the comedians are, and then you find out who are the ones that. They, I mean, they'll be honest. I, last mm. year, I did it in the middle of the year, and I had decided this has got to be a beginning of year project. Mm. And yeah. um, but. Last year, because my students were, we had already known each other for at least a semester, they were very vulnerable Mm -hmm. in those letters and shared things with me that were just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And so, and and I got that idea from Twitter, you know, and so I think that's important that you're sharing resources, you're, you're up with the times, Um, it's okay to be entertaining. And I think also, the other thing I think about is one of my other friends um, who teaches, he shared with me 
that he has a special Instagram just for his students. And he was like, wow. communication was so much better when I created this Instagram. <laughs> like they had, they were watching. And so he sent it to me or like he followed me so I could follow him so I could see it. And I was like, that's genius. genius. Why did I not think of that? Yes. <laughs> like, if you're not yeah. keeping up with social media, like what are you doing? <laughs> because yeah. That's, yeah. that's how you get to these kids. That's what they, that's what they're on. I think especially too yeah. with your with your uh, area with special ed, it's huge to be bringing that into the mainstream. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just perfect, man. Like you have this this issue, you know, that really is in the back or mm-hmm. underground, like you're saying. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. In, it's, in the, it's behind the scenes, and and people sort of try to just, hey, you know not acknowledging it is sort of the default so what you've yeah. what you've done is you're putting the spotlight on it and you're saying no 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 it's cool mm-hmm. here we are and i think the levity that you bring to it too is like you do it real gracefully you do it with respect and you do it uh with humor and just i it's real it's love you give you bring love man Mm-hmm. So I oh, definitely thank appreciate you, thank it. You. Yeah, man, I love your stuff. <laughs> and the important thing too, and I want you to talk a little about this too, because you, like we talked about it before, your ability advocates are part of the decision-making process. So like, yes. tell us again, like about that process. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the ability advocates. Um, listen, I'm not sure which parts were cut off from the just, uh, the previous session. Just share it all. Just <laughs> so share it all. I'll just start again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So so if you know, so the ability advocates is um, is part of sort of the work that I do publicly. Um, I and it's probably my one of my favorite favorite projects because mm-hmm. you know a lot of the a lot of my public stuff is is um, me on my own. You know, I'm I'm doing I'm I'm creating curriculum and, and I'm doing public speaking and I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm a one man band most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so I love, love, love working with the ability advocates. And so that's a group that I started a while ago and, and um, it started off as just sort of a classroom project and it was going to be just sort of like a classroom thing. And, and my students were going to have the opportunity um, to, to do something new. So I, so it was my first year of teaching and I, I teach students who have what we currently refer to as moderate to severe disabilities. Mm-hmm. And I had been working on this so, sort of um, a social movement curriculum that I, that I wanted to just try out. And it was basically um, something, and now it's, it's a fully developed thing that I, that I use all the time. But at that point, it was, I just had this idea. I just thought like, what if I could teach these kids, you know, about, sort of all the different or a bunch of different um, social movements from the 1960s mm. and then we can end on the disability rights movement mm. and, and it That's all right. just sort of makes sense and and, the, and we could just empower them to you know have a voice and to do cool things and and everybody was like they're not going to understand what are you doing that for they don't know oh what you're talking gosh. about and um, i was just like no 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 like i i know we can do it. this <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's you know it's, it's, it is very simplified it's a very simplified version of yeah. of things that you would learn anyway in high school and i yeah. you know i was in high school at that time and i, I was a high school teacher and so that it ended up being successful and uh, you know that 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 curriculum and and i i mean so successful that i d- ended up developing it a ton more and and um 
and you know it's up on my website and and all of that but we started there and we decided to create our own sort of advocacy group mm-hmm. um, just there on campus. And, and I think I, you know, I, I talked about it a little bit before, but, um, you know, it, all of these ideas and all of this, the whole like public brand was never meant to be public. It was always meant to be just, oh, I have these cool ideas for when I become a teacher. I have these cool ideas now that I am a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when you're somebody like me who has crazy ideas <laughs> um, that are very different a lot of a lot of times you get shot down and it's mm-hmm. also important to mention that I do work with a population of people that um, people most even professionals grown adults don't know how to understand right. people with disabilities and so you know I was just shot down enough times that I was like well you know what you don't want us at your stupid talent show we're going to be at the carnival festival on the main stage so right. we'll see you there you know what i mean yeah. and um and so that first year we went i scheduled this tour and it was all of the major most iconic festivals in san francisco and i yeah. was i was shocked that they all gave us time on the stage um so then i was like well i we should do more of this mm-hmm. you know if, if it's possible why wouldn't we um and that was sort of the the start of all things you know public that that i do now um and so with the ability advocates it 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 just ended up being something that grew and and it's not just students in my class anymore it's students who have been in my class or students who were never even in my class and it's (laughs) students in san francisco and and you know in las vegas and 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 just all you know it it, it's expanded and, and i hope that it continues to expand um I'm working on ways to, to, you know, do stuff during the pandemic. Um, but definitely after the pandemic, we're going to, I mean, there'll be just so many opportunities to bring that to Stockton. Um, one of the biggest or what, not the biggest, but one of the maybe coolest projects that we did was our, you know, original song and and music video that, that came along with the song. And so, yeah, I think that's what you're, you're, um, asking me to talk about it, and then I just went on this big long rant. No, it's okay. Um, but, <laughs> it, it's but good background the, on how you got to that point to get them to write a song. Yeah, so so it ends up, so basically um, we, our mission is to provide opportunities for people with different abilities to be seen, heard, and respected in our communities. We want to put them in positions of public leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of times that involves being up on stage or being at community meetings or being at, you know, wherever. Um, But also to, in order to get them there, especially if they're um, people who are not in my classroom, Mm -hmm. uh, we need to also have um, meetings together, you know, and I have to, I have to get them on board with what we're doing. I have to make sure that they understand at whatever level they're able to understand that our mission is to stand up and have a voice and demand respect, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would have our meetings and we would, we would talk about different projects and different um, things that we were doing throughout the year. And just, I don't know, everybody seemed to be a little bit musical and even <laughs> students who, um, even people who, some of the ability advocates are nonverbal, so they don't they don't speak with words. You know, they don't mm-hmm. communicate with with words. Um, and it, there was uh, one of our ability advocates was was you know not really verbal, but he would rap these songs like these crazy songs. 
Um, awesome. And so I was just like, you know, what if we tried to do our own song? Mm-hmm. And freaking everybody was so excited about it. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, let's let's work on some ideas. And so we had a couple of meetings where we just sat around a table, and I was like, tell me everything you want to say about the ability advocates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just made like a big long chicken scratch list of things that they thought about it. And then I. I basically put together a, a layout of lyrics mm-hmm. um, and then I went back to them and I was like, okay, this is what I have. What do you think? And, um, and so, it, you know, and then we sort of back and forth had their input and, and sort of, um, you know, just, I, I wanted to see what they thought about it. And then I, I think I was telling you that I recorded uh, because I also play music. So I, I, I recorded, I think three different um, yeah. tracks to, yeah. to to you know for the song and they hated all of them <laughs> every single one they're just like no 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 this is not gonna work and so <laughs> um and so i i you know the last the final final um track that we ended up using i stayed up all night long right before our final b- meeting because i we had a deadline to i just knew that we needed to finish the song by a certain date if we wanted to also have a music video and also go on tour and right. sing the song. And um, so I was just like up all night and I just was thinking to myself, whether they like this or not, <laughs> this is the one because we just, it. we don't have any time anymore. Um, and they ended up loving it. And so um, that was the story of the song. Um, but yeah, I mean, they had so much input and they had so much uh, to say about it. And, and it, it, you know, I, I, um, sort of wrote the lyrics, but I wrote the lyrics with all of their input. You know, I literally yeah. sat with my notes just spread across the table mm-hmm. um, and put put stuff together using quotes and using ideas that they came up with on their own. Mm. You're big on collaboration, it seems like. <laughs> uh, I was looking at on the website, you, you have stuff about like your talks that you give. And like it was there's a, like a link where it shows like, um, you know, help build the talk and show yeah, and yeah. direct. You know, and I, I was like, what? So you present basically uh, whatever it is that, you know, very, very specific to whatever your audience is looking for. You can go on, you can talk a yeah. little bit about how, how you do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So on, on my website, there is, yeah, I created this chart um, to sort of, you know, how people determine first of all whether or not they want to book me for a speak Mm -hmm. for a speech Mm -hmm. um but also so that they kind of see what i normally do and then i do have the option for you know if you want something else if you want something that's not here Mm -hmm. let me know and we can you know we can figure something out um but yeah i I am i think i am big on collaboration but the reason i i am big on it is because you know Beyond that, I love to, I love for people to feel empowered, you know, and I think that's the most, um, the most um, sort of meaningful way that you can empower people is through giving them that, that space to be collaborative and, and mm. to, um, you know, to have input and to, and to have a say in what's going on. And um, so across the board, no matter what I'm doing, I love collaboration. Uh, and yeah, so I, I love to do live events because I think, first of all, a lot of times we talked about it a bit before that a lot of times people will go and speak and they say, 
a lot of the same stuff that I'm saying, um, but it's a little, maybe a little boring, or maybe you know what I mean. Maybe <laughs> yeah, it's like not dry. so fun to listen to, yeah. and then and then the message isn't sent all the way, you know. Right. And, and so I do love to do live stuff because then I get the opportunity to go to all these different kinds of places, and I get to you know it. it I I treat it like a concert you know yeah. what I mean I go mm -hmm. up there with the yeah. intention to like get people up and get people excited and get people um to to you know feel like inspired and motivated uh, and I and my intention is always I never ever want there to be a moment where people are sitting there just praying for it to end you know <laughs> what I mean because it's really interesting I go to enough stages where I'm sitting there praying for it to end <laughs> so. hey, we were talking to another performer uh, who's also a teacher and i i just think it's very interesting because you you see the qualities of a performer and how valuable it is to uh know how to read an audience and how how that really impacts whether or not your message gets across and it's the professors and the teachers i've had and that were most effective in my life have always been the ones who knew how to read a room and could adapt and yeah. and sort of like oh I'm gonna adjust now because all of you are off somewhere else and you're not here with me so let's get back here yeah. and let's talk about it <laughs> and I was like wow you know those who had that skill I always admired and it's it's definitely got to be true for you if, you know uh, and, and, as a performer you probably developed that skill quite a bit yeah yeah definitely um and growing up with so them. i grew up yeah you yeah, see I grew performers up in a family band yeah. <laughs> and uh, i was 10 years old when i was like full-time mm -hmm. on the road with them and wow. it was you know three shows a week wow. four hour shows but it was 12 hour days because we did our own lights and everything mm -hmm. and um it was a party band and mm -hmm. i think that does make a huge difference mm -hmm. you know versus like a jazz band or a, or an orchestra mm -hmm. A party band, when you're in a party band, I would say 80% of your job is to read the room, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. because you are the party. <laughs> you, you, you have to be exciting. You have yeah. to be fun. You have to, you, you have to know when you need to switch up the next song mm -hmm. because people aren't responding, you know, otherwise the party dies literally. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, you know, I think when I was younger, like 10, that was rough for me because I was so shy mm -hmm. and I was so, I, I didn't want to dance on stage and I didn't want to <laughs> this and I didn't want to that. And, and it was, um, but I knew because, you know, my grandpa had, you know, started the band so long ago and they had already made a name for themselves. They had their own brand, you know, and, and I knew that it was serious. I knew it wasn't a game. I knew that, um, they were getting paid good money to be doing what they were doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I knew there was no room for messing around. And, and um, so it was rough the first few years. I hated, oh, I, it was just <laughs> painful for me sometimes because it, it wasn't something that I was, you know, I think just naturally I was so shy and I was so quiet and I was mm -hmm. so like scared of everything. And um, yeah, but I'm so, so grateful for all those years because it, that's what it taught me. You know, I, I had to learn how to read a room. I had to learn. And, you know, if my, I had my uncle um, and my aunt were the, were the front people on the microphones. And once I got old enough, um, 
I started, they started to expect me to do that. And yeah. for me to sort of, because sometimes my uncle and my aunt would not come on time or they would come later on, you know, they mm -hmm. would, we would go set up and they would come when it was time or whatever. And um, my uncle, who was, who was the drummer, who was also the manager, who was always there, he hated speaking on the microphone. So it was all, <laughs> then it became like my thing. And, and I was like, you I see. don't want to, scared. <laughs> I, I can't do it. And they were like, oh, you have to. <laughs> so, so all of that just really prepared me because, wow. you know, that's what you, I think for advocacy, you need, you need to have that. Yeah. You need to be able to walk into a room. And all of that fear and all of that, like, what if they don't like me? Or what if I make a mistake? Or what if I, whatever, you have to just push past that no matter what, you know? And, and I think also in teaching, it's the same. And also in doing the sort of, in the public speaking part of what I do, that's a performance. You know, I have to know how to, how to walk in with confidence. I have to know how to move my body so that I look like a star. I have to, you know, because that makes a difference. I have to know how to use my voice so that I sound like, like, someone who needs to be on stage. Right. All of that stuff is really important. And I, I wouldn't have those skills if I hadn't had all of that, you know, uh, what is it training. like a yeah. brutal training? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it was definitely thrust upon you and it seems like it's, it's definitely come to, uh, you know, to so good use these days, you know? So, yeah. 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 Because you got to see like a professional side of entertainment. Like you, it's not, it's, it's all fun when you're at the party on the dance floor, but it, like, yeah, know, yeah. The Mike Torres band is a serious business and they're doing professional things. So learning how, to make entertainment, you know, a business like this is, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of work and you're doing that work. And yeah. I think, you know, and you had mentioned before, not sure if this got cut off, but you're trying to reach audiences that don't normally come to listen about ability needs. And so yeah. you've got to be out there. You've got to catch their attention and you have been trained in that because your family is, is so um, deep in the entertainment industry. Um, I think that's really yeah. important and I think that's important too that yeah we disabilities are the, the invisible minority and we need to we need to reach everyone and and that's the best way to do it is through entertainment <laughs> yeah you really yeah. You really crafted your your skill there your, you know your, your um, entertainment abilities but then I think what's beautiful is that you've also really focused heavily on uh, you know, special education and like I was looking at your curriculum stuff there and I was like man this is thorough stuff and it's like uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about how you were able to do that because it I, I didn't really understand everything that I was looking at but it's like the uh, I, I do we do you do all uh -huh. talk a little bit about how you started making your own curriculum yeah well I mean I started because I think we talked about it earlier on that um when you are a special education teacher on your first day of work first year of teaching they walk you into a big empty room and then they say good luck yeah. make something happen <laughs> <laughs> and Necessity. so that was you know i you just have to yeah. you have to make stuff and yeah. and so you know every teacher does it it's just i i you know and i don't know really where it comes from but mm. i've just always been creative in a weird way and i've always I've always happened upon books, like random books. Like I remember when I was like 10, I, I just, I was in a library or we didn't, and we didn't even go to libraries. I don't know what I was doing in a library. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a library and I saw this book that it was called like, um, 
Tim how to look good you. on camera or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and and I just read it and and um, and a lot of my current uh, you know skills I think come from that experience of reading that book because it, it was I was a very awkward, shy. I was very overweight. I was I was you know everything you would think of when you think of a loser. I think that's what I was. I don't think I was a loser. I just think that you know by um, society standards, I was a loser. <laughs> yeah. And so I think reading that book, it just, it just like, it, it helped me to prepare for one day, I'm gonna be like this one day, mm. I'm gonna, you know, and, mm. and, and I would just, I always read random books. And, and, um, and so I always had these ideas about all these different things like marketing and, and, um, you know, and, and graphics and um, acting and Hollywood. And I mean, just all that, like super, and I still read very random books. I love, I love <laughs> to read books outside of the world of education because mm-hmm. that's, you know, you, t- you can, I can bring that in, you know, exactly. I can bring mm-hmm. that in and, and do really cool things with it. But um, when I first started to make my own curriculum, I was just making it for my classroom like everybody else. And then I, I started to think, well, maybe, you know, my friend down the hall can use it. So mm-hmm. I'll make it a little bit more general. And then, and then it became, well, maybe I can like put it on a website or something and maybe I can this. And then, and then I started to really, really, now when I create stuff, I, my goal is for it to be as good or better than professional quality, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, products right. and so you know i really really put a lot of attention on attention to detail and and really making sure the design is right and making mm-hmm. sure it looks great and that it's easy to use and that it's thorough and 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 so you know that's I, everything sort of started as like a little project and it, and it all just sort of um grew and grew with you know with um you know the more i did public work the more i wanted um to just make sure that I was presenting high quality content across the board. Mm-hmm. And that, and I think that leads us into what I think also got cut off is that the current curriculum you developed for distance learning, um, if you wanna talk about that. Yeah, yeah, so I'm very excited about it. Um, so I had already started working on a project called the Ability Academy Online, and it was uh, it was supposed to be just Kind of like a few videos that video lessons and video activities that uh, teachers could use for distance learning and it was right when um you know right when the pandemic started and and it was meant to be sort of a limited um program and then i realized that we were coming back to distance learning mm-hmm. and uh so i ended up spending a lot of the summer sort of revamping that program and, and and making it into this um you know this interactive sort of slideshow um that that you could use in for your classrooms for special education and and it's interactive so it can be different every day and there's a whole bunch of different um activities and assignments on there and and it's so 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 easy to use so i know that for a lot of teachers especially um teachers who are not tech savvy who have very little tech skills mm. distance learning has been rough right. <laughs> so mm. um, oh, yes yeah I hear about it so this <laughs> <laughs> and and the other thing is that our students you know it's not it's a little different from general education because we can't just assign a reading and we right. can't we can't always you know 
even a video, we can't always assign a video and expect that they're going to do anything with it mm -hmm. without support. But we also can't expect that families are going to be there to support them every single day. And, mm -hmm. and so this program is really meant to provide a super, super easy to use um, platform with a, a bunch of, um, you know, meaningful content that that is hopefully going to be um, stuff that, that students can do independently or at least more independently. And um, it's called the Ability Academy Click and Go program. And it, I'm calling it that because literally all you need is you need the link mm -hmm. to the, you know, to the presentation. You click on it and you can get started right away. Um, you don't need like a Google account. You don't need to sign into anything. Um, it's very, very easy. And, and so I'm excited to put that up on my website. And you're offering it for free. You're, you're, for free. Yeah, you're like, which is also super awesome. We, you know, like you're 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 helping out these teachers that are struggling in this time, and and I think that's such a that's such a noble thing to do. Put all this energy into something, and then you're offering it, which also makes me think about the people who come to you and say like you're just trying to be famous or whatever, and it's like look at the work he's doing. Like, that's not, yeah. <laughs> you don't do that kind of stuff and offer it for free. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, everything, everything I do is for free. The only, the only money making part of my business is the public speaking. The public that's speaking the only part. time that I make money. And that's only sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, yeah, everything's for free. Everything, you know, the, the idea is, is to really support people out there who, um, who need it, you know, and, mm -hmm. and yes, my brand is primarily um, disability centered, but mm -hmm. really it's, it's diversity in general, you know, that's the, that's the real idea. Yeah. Because even when we talk about inclusion for people with disabilities, how can we achieve that if we're not advocating for inclusion for everybody? Exactly. You know, it, it's just, it wouldn't work. If, right. if we are, you know, if you're fighting for the inclusion of any one group of people, mm -hmm. you're going nowhere. Right. You know, I think we need to really, um, you know, it needs to be everything and it needs to be everybody. Exactly. And so, yeah. And so, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to do some of the stuff that I do. And it's a lot of work to do some of the other <laughs> stuff that I do. It looks like so <laughs> but at the end much of the day, work. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And I think, that's, and I think, yeah, that's super important. Is like you said before, this is this is the invisible minority, and we've got to we've got to include them in the conversation. And we talked about um, universal design for learning a lot, especially those of us in the area that went to teachers' college. They really incorporated UDL into our um, credentialing program, and we talk about that all the time. Like, how do we create ramps instead of stairs? You know, in our classroom. Because yeah, I love it everybody can do it anybody who comes in it's there and it's accessible and and it's and it doesn't overburden the teacher and having to make you know when you're a general ed teacher and you have a an iep or 504 student you've got to modify so you got to do something different and that's a lot of work but if you've already yeah. designed your curriculum or your lessons to to be a ramp then there's yeah. a little tweaks you might have to make but it's it's a lot you know easier on the teacher it's easier on the students it's inclusive and we're not gonna learn to do that more if we don't start thinking more about our disabled neighbors and community members um in a way that you know you you told the story about 
um, you had a, a little shopping trip you took with your students one time and one of them knocked everything off of the shelf and people, you know, they're, they're quick to respond with anger. And, and, yeah. and I think you even made the comment too, where there's some people who think like, that's why those people shouldn't be out in public or, you know, and, and we've, the only way we're going to squash those kinds of thoughts is, you know, being more inclusive in that way. And I think that's really important. Your story actually reminded me of um, one of the APs at my site is a special education. She told me a story recently about a student that destroyed her classroom and she just quietly got all the other kids out and left him in there to do his thing and just kept yeah. an eye on him to make sure he wasn't hurting himself. And when he was done, she said he just collapsed in her arms and said, I wish I wasn't this way anymore. And I think yeah. like, people don't realize, like, it's not a choice. <laughs> like, you know, you can't help. Yeah. And, and, and some kids, some people are not able to even say that, mm -hmm. you know, some, some, I had a student one year um, who I love. I love him. He's gigantic. First of all, he's like six, five, <laughs> oh <my goodness laughs> like red, red hair. Um, <laughs> he always wears shorts, no matter what the weather. He has freckles. <laughs> all over his whole body. He looks like, you know, it, it's just like, it's almost like it's not a real person. <laughs> he looks so uh, fun. Um, but he was just, I just loved him. And everybody, you know, nobody didn't like him. Mm -hmm. um, but one day he, we were having, I brought cupcakes and everybody got a cupcake. And then there were like two left and he wanted another cupcake. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, so sorry that there's not enough for everybody. And he was like, but I want a cupcake. <laughs> I was like, well, so, so, and he wasn't really verbal. Like, I mean, he could say cupcake or cupcake, please, but it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like, um, I really would like a cupcake right now. You know, it right. was, it was limited, limited words. Um, and it ended up becoming insane. And it was directed at me. He was on me trying to like literally squish my head, spitting oh, at me, goodness. kicking everything. And I was just, I just had my arms out trying to protect my face you know he's like that's my money maker <laughs> but um <laughs> but it, i mean he was and it was an hour at least and and wow. you know my my staff at that time were you know older women mm -hmm. um so they weren't involved in helping me and in, in physically you know and it was it was really great i mean it was but i was just calm i was just like so sorry no cupcake yeah. <laughs> and and then the next day he came back like nothing yeah. and so many people were were like mad at him adults mm -hmm. they're like oh i just don't know about him anymore because or how could you like you're not mad and and um you know and that's a rough thing it's it's hard for people to understand mm -hmm. that it wasn't on purpose and it's hard for people to understand that that you know, sometimes that that behavior is uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for people to understand that even though he did that to me yesterday, he's over it today. You know, yeah. he's not he's he's not a bad person. He's not, you know, I'm not mad at him. He's not mad at me. I'm happy he's better. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like it, it, it just and those are the things that people won't know how to understand that if we can't start talking about it. Exactly. Because those are those are the exact people who are hidden from mm. our view because the moment it gets disruptive and the moment it's uncomfortable then everybody wants them gone or everybody wants them removed or you know mm. if, he, if he was at a restaurant 
the restaurant staff or the owner might i mean i feel like it would be it wouldn't seem unreasonable for him for for him to be removed from that situation and, and um you know understandably so but but if we can't start talking about those incidences and those those kinds of behaviors and that kind of person mm-hmm. where you know where are we going to go exactly. we're just going to keep hiding it and keep you know keep separating them from the rest of the world mm-hmm. um, so those are yeah if we if we if we don't learn to understand it i think what's worse is we we just try to punish it yeah you know yeah. i think that's yeah. a really scary thing that we see you know a lot is that people are being punished when what they need is just patience and then and then understanding and the mm-hmm. courage that you're that you're you know describing that's what they need they need people like you to be brave enough to just be there and and deal with it you know mm-hmm. and, and i think yeah that's a i, mean, I really appreciate that story and, and providing the resources think, for those people i think like i think in that yes. situation if it had happened in a restaurant he would have had the cops called on him and when yeah. he, he probably needed was a social worker and to come and ease him and calm him down and get him help and you know and and yeah we don't have a society that does that and we overburden our social yeah. workers like we overburden our teachers and we, you know mm-hmm. and yeah. then we, we don't make that space to do the the right thing for someone like that who really can't help it yeah and someone like him i you know, i think probably most of the world will never understand him because he doesn't speak with words and so since he doesn't speak with words no one talks to him mm. um you know he doesn't look or dress or act like everybody else so be, you know because of that nobody's going to talk to him and then he has these behaviors you know and, and then it, but it's it's not all the time it's actually very rare yeah. um but if if anybody would just take the time to get to know that you know him specifically he was so much fun and mm-hmm. it, i mean it, it just cracked me up like i really really love that kid you know what i mean and and i really truly was unfazed by that whole situation just because i understood yeah that that was like a, a, that was a bad day for him you yeah. know and 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 so if we can just get to that place where you know and, and not, that doesn't mean everybody needs to love everybody else you know i don't mm-hmm. love everybody who i work with i don't love everybody <laughs> who you know what i mean right. who i went to college with it's not about you have to love every single person but you have to have love for everybody i think mm-hmm. you know regardless of whether or not you love them you have to have love in your heart you have to have love when you walk out the door you have to know how to how to you know understand and accept and and um you know just 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 yeah, being be considerate. considerate and being mm-hmm. thoughtful, like what you're talking about. Yeah. So I think I think you're right. I think it all is it all comes down to um, awareness, and and it's very easy to get mad at people who, um, you know, because I it, it it's interesting. Even if even if no one is pushing stuff off of the shelf at target right. um and even if no one is is sort of screaming or grabbing anybody or spitting mm-hmm. even if there's someone who's just stimming on on the bus right just mm-hmm. like um unusual movement on the mm-hmm. bus like maybe flapping their hands or or you know whatever people still look 
at them with disgust. It's, yeah. it's insane, yeah. you know, and it, it's crazy that people are so disgusted by, by anyone who's different in those kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I think you're right. It, it's so hard to look at that. And, and a lot of my job involves going out into the community because I'm teaching them how to ride the bus. I'm teaching them how to make purchases. I'm teaching them how to become independent, hopefully, or as independent as possible. And so it's hard, especially early on, earlier on in my career, it was, I would look at those people. I really would want to just like say something to them or, you know, mm -hmm. just, I was just angry. I was just like, oh, like F that person, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but now that I've been able to, to sort of understand the world a little bit better and I'm a little bit older and I've been doing this for a while, that's what I realized is that some people are prejudiced and some people are mean, but I feel like the majority of people are not intentionally prejudiced. They just don't know. They don't yeah. understand that understand. no one ever told them. Understand. You know, how could they know? Yeah. What you're talking about is teaching people to want to understand. Yeah. Because like yeah. it starts there. Yeah. Understanding is, is it's easy to get mad and be annoyed at something you don't understand. So then you have to really ask yourself, well, do you do they want to understand? Well, how do you teach a person to want to understand? It's like, well, your life, everything is going to be improved once you know more, mm -hmm. once you try mm -hmm. to know more. And you're just going to have a better ability to relate to people in general. And, and I think the alternative is to just walk around scared and stupid, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and we, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. better than that, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And that, you know, that's the easiest thing to do. Though. That's the easiest thing for people to do is to stay ignorant. And, mm -hmm. and so yeah. um, I think that's why I do things the way that I do. And, mm -hmm. and um, even even compared to other teacher influencers, I think I'm still a little different because I'm I'm not trying to access other teachers. I'm not right. trying to I mean, I do a little bit of that. I have curriculum mm -hmm. that can use and all of that. But my main audience is everybody who's far, far away from the educational mm -hmm. scholarly communities, yeah. right? Yeah. And so a lot of times, um, you know, the way that I get attention is by by being attention-seeking. You know, mm -hmm. I post some selfies or I take some videos where I'm wearing a cool outfit or something, and, and that's how I'm getting that attention to inspire those people because it's easiest to stay ignorant. That's the easiest yeah. option. Right. That that's that's the option that requires zero work, zero thinking, zero change. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, if we're not looking to those people who, because if you don't have someone in your family with a disability, you're not going to. And if you don't, yeah, you don't. You what's mm -hmm. the motivation to care? You exactly. know, there, it's it's very um, easy to just write it off and just not think about it. Mm -hmm. um, so my mission is really just to bring it to the front of people's minds. And, and if they're following me because they think I look cool or they like, you know, my outfits or whatever, every time they see a post, there's, you know, there's that message underneath, you know, mm -hmm. and every time they see me, I think even if there's no words on, you know, my picture or whatever, I think people associate me with disability. They associate me with, mm -hmm. with, um, you know, special education and, and advocacy and, and all of that. And so even just, um, you know, just, just being seen in that way, I think is, is keeping that message 
at the front of their minds. And, and that's what it, that's what it's about is people have to be interested and they have to be motivated and inspired. And if mm-hmm. they're not, the other option is to do nothing and to well, stay yeah. the same. And you're, you're accessing the most opportunity by casting the wide net that you're casting. And that's what I really appreciate about the strategy, because as you're saying, it's like, yeah, the default is to just be scared and stupid, but the alternative would be if you were to be exposed to something that would expand your perspective. And the the, the nature of today's uh, you know technology and people's access to it is that we can actually switch that up because mm-hmm. it's learned. To be scared and stupid is actually you learn to be scared and stupid. But to be informed and to be appreciative and to be understanding, that can be learned too. And I think when people see it, when you model it the way you do, they're going to understand that. And they're going to, I think most people can appreciate it. And that's why I really like what you you do and your strategy with it. Hey, Stephen, Stephen, we've already done another hour. (laughs) That went by quick. (laughs) I'm going to put the kids to bed. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just want to say truly an honor. I really, really appreciate you. Um, We definitely have to do this in real life. Um, And yeah, like we said the last time when it got cut up, we we want to interview your ability advocates and meet up in a a real location at post-pandemic and have them come on and and advocate for themselves because I think that's the most important advocacy is when they can speak for themselves and say like, Yes, like we're okay with being Instagram yeah. influencers, yeah. and we want you to know that sometimes we have a bad day, and we just need you to care. And That's so, it. yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. They will be excited to do that, I'm sure. So <laughs> you let us know when. Thank and you, we will thank be there. you, thank you for the time. You know, you're doing. You're so generous with your time because <laughs> round two is you know is a charm. So. Yeah. <laughs> But also for the work you're well, doing, educating the community, educating us teachers that that need that extra education, and 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 we hope to see more more of your work. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just I very I'm very appreciative of of this project that you guys are starting up, um, just because, like I said, it's it's we need more of this uh, in our area, and so you let me know anytime. And you can have as much time of mind as you want. (laughs) Thank you. If you have made it this far, all the way to the end of our interview, we thank you so much for sticking with us. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed having this conversation with Mr. Stefan. If you liked our episode, we hope that you will leave a review wherever it is you accessed your podcast. This is especially true for Apple Podcasts because the more reviews we get, the more visibility our podcast gets and we can draw in some more listeners. Also, tell your friends about us and hopefully they'll enjoy listening in too. Thank you so much again.